rxmuscle.com brings you Quantum Physiques, building strength and power for your mind, your body, and your spirit. Alternative medicine, muscle growth, mood enhancement, motivation, putting your mind at ease, harnessing your maximum potential. Quantum Physiques, here's your host, Brian Cunningham. And welcome to another episode of Quantum Physiques, where we strive to build strength and power for mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham, joining you here every week on the rxmuscle.com website. And once again, as I promised, I have Dr. Michael Murray back for round two of our conversation. Now, Dr. Murray, just in case you don't know, is is one of the world's leading authorities on natural medicine, having published over 30 books on health-related topics. His research into the health benefits of proper nutrition is the foundation for a best-selling line of vitamins and supplements called Natural Factors, where he is also the director of product development. He is a graduate, faculty member, and serves on the board of one of the most prestigious naturopathic medical schools, Bastyr University in Seattle, Washington. So once again, I want to welcome Dr. Murray. Welcome back to Quantum Physiques. Oh, it's my pleasure, Brian. Great, great to have you on again. So, you know, we have so much to talk about, obviously, you being one of the, um, you know, just an encyclopedia of knowledge here. Um, a couple of things that I, I think are interesting is the kind of recent controversy about antioxidants. Now, you know, my opinion is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that antioxidants is kind of an umbrella term that doesn't really describe exactly what all these different specific nutrients do um, because they do a lot more than just, you know, quench redox reactions, I guess, in a sense. Um, like, and for example, the reason why I'm asking this is there was a recent study that came out showing that vitamin C before exercise, I think before specifically uh, cardiovascular exercise, could inhibit, I guess, the mitochondrial benefits or the benefits to uh, mitochondrial metabolism that exercise imparts. And so one of the questions that I'm kind of burning to ask you is, do you think people can sometimes overdo it on taking too many antioxidants, or is that kind of a misnomer? Well, uh, you know, first I want to make some comments on what you're saying. It's exactly right. Uh, The term antioxidant is an umbrella term, and there are as many different antioxidants as there are Uh, musical instruments and the key thing is what we're learning from the research is if you take any single antioxidant at at the expense of others uh, you create uh, imbalances and uh, these antioxidant nutrients especially uh, they uh, typically have a very narrow range of activity when we look at the plant antioxidants like the flavonoids uh, they tend to have a very broad action of antioxidant effects as well as many other additional health benefits. So one of the things that we have to look at when we're looking at research on antioxidant is uh, what was the form that was used? Uh, did they use any additional antioxidants or did they just use this one antioxidant at a high level? And typically what we see is that when they use particularly the, the fat-soluble antioxidants like beta-carotene or vitamin E, as, uh, as a single agent, what the research typically shows is that it produces a negative effect, and that's because uh, it, when they are taken at large levels with the uh, absence of other uh, supportive antioxidants, these compounds can become free radicals themselves. So it's little wonder that when we see studies with beta-carotene in smokers that we actually see an increased risk for lung cancer and heart disease. But uh, when they've done studies where they've given beta-carotene along with vitamin C and E and, and zinc and selenium, when they had the support, uh, the beta-carotene studies showed that it was uh, a very protective 
agent. So, uh, you know, uh, we have to keep uh, these these uh, research studies. Uh, you know, we have to keep them in line just by by asking, uh, what was the goal? What were they really trying to show? And was there any bias that was being uh, represented in the study? And uh, how was the study designed? Was it really a well-designed study, or was it simply designed to cast uh, a cloud over supplementation? Yeah, because the vitamin E supplement uh, studies, I think, for one, were very curious in that you would think researchers that, at that level would actually understand, I guess, the uh, the biochemistry of the tocotrienols and the tocopherols, and you would never design a study focusing just on alpha tocopherol, for example. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is you know incorrect to say, but when you have that much funding and that much money, you don't want to screw it up, pardon my French, by not understanding the fact that gamma tocopherol is a critical component uh, in the, in the body's biochemistry, right? Well, yeah, but you know, I think you're giving a lot of the uh, the researchers uh, credit. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, they they have to they have to get funding, uh, and they have to have a many of them have to have an axe to grind. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great uh, researchers out there, a lot of great research coming down the pike. That uh, <laughs> you know, some some of the studies are kind of silly, and uh, uh, and they need to be called out. Yeah, but by the same token, obviously, for the average person, we don't want them to get the message of just dismissing the science and, and kind of poo-pooing everything, I guess. This is where the, the, the critical eye of someone like yourself, I guess, can come in and really help to decipher or filter through uh, the various types of studies coming out, correct? Yeah, exactly. Okay, great. So now back to the original question, actually. I mean, you know, Obviously, antioxidants work. Uh, one of the one of the modes of action is to quench um, the inflammatory response, or I guess the um, reactive oxygen species generated by such. But you know, it turns out that oxygen actually is a very um, paradoxical element in the body, right? In the sense that it actually initiates a lot of healthy things, in spite of its, I guess, acute toxicity. I mean. And maybe I'm using that word, uh, you know, a little too sharply, but ozone therapy, from what I understand, works in a sense by inducing a very potent toxin, ozone, to the body, which is rapidly, uh, I guess, um, you know, mitigated or controlled by the body or metabolized in a sense. But that initiates a cascade of reactions that are very beneficial for the body in a sense. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, it, it's a it's a balance, and uh, there are. Uh, situations where we need that that oxidative stress that's one of the ways in which our white blood cells destroy uh, bacteria and viruses and uh, you know there are situations where we need that that burst of uh, uh, oxidants to, to you know destroy uh, uh, infecting organisms for example that's right that's actually um, a different type of nitrox I think that's um that's called INOS. Is that inducible nitric oxide synthase versus ENOS, which is endothelial derived? Uh, yeah, the uh, you know it's, when we're looking at uh, um, the uh, nitric oxide uh, pathways and whatnot, you know, one is actually uh, an anti-inflammatory pathway, and uh, the other is uh, a very strong inflammatory process. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a same compound, but it's a double-edged sword. It depends on how it's how it's produced in the body, and I think that as we learn more about uh, the way our body works, we'll have a better understanding of the way nutrition interacts with these uh, things. And I, I think that you know, with this umbrella term of uh, 
and the antioxidant uh, uh, were just really kind of limiting and and not really understanding what these compounds do. And uh, the thing about natural products, especially, is they, they tend to have many different areas that they impact, uh, either through uh, a nutritional effect, like with some of the vitamins and minerals, or uh, from a more pharmacological effect when we look at some of the, uh, the flavonoids and you know, various plant pigments and uh, all the other compounds that we have in our food. Sure, sure. Now, you know, with that vitamin E conversation we just had, do you think, uh, at least in theory, that some health conscious consumers that were consuming, you know, um, I guess, you know, 800 IU of, of alpha tocopherol were actually doing themselves maybe a disservice to some degree, or, or is that maybe too strong a statement? No, I think that they were, they were, they may have been doing themselves uh, great harm if they were uh, failing to support their, their uh, antioxidant mechanisms. And the best way to support uh, our antioxidant system is to uh, make sure that we're, we're getting things in balance. And the way we achieve that is by focusing on uh, a rainbow diet. That doesn't mean more richly, uh, you know, it doesn't mean more Fruit Loops and Fruity Pebbles. It means more uh, richly <laughs> colored fruit vegetables. So uh, getting five servings of vegetables a day and, and, and uh, you know, focusing on those low glycemic, richly colored vegetables, getting two servings of fruit a day is another good goal. If people are getting those those seven servings of fruits and vegetables, and a serving is defined as one-half cooked or one-half uncooked vegetable or fruit, uh, one-half un, one half cooked or one cup uh, uncooked fruit or vegetable represents a serving. So uh, it's easily achieved if we're... <laughs> Uh, eating a healthful diet to, to get that seven servings. And if people use that as kind of a foundation for their antioxidant support, they can go a long way in, in preventing sort of any sort of imbalance. And, uh, you know, going beyond that, uh, you know, vitamin C uh, can balance vitamin E, and you need selenium and you need zinc in order for vitamin E to, to be effective. And, and uh, I also recommend uh, using... Uh, either a greens drink or a flavonoid-rich extract like pine bark extract or grapeseed extract or asahi, something that's going to have a, uh, an ability to fill in any gaps that people may have in their diet and supplementation strategy. Uh, so if, if someone is doing all that and they're taking 800 IUs of vitamin E, I don't think they did themselves any harm. But if, they, if that was the only thing that they were doing was taking 800 IUs of vitamin E, I have no doubt okay. that they were doing more good. I got gotcha. you. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, because I was just going to ask you if you think the vitamin industry at large is doing the, the, the public a disservice by continuing to sell large, you know, large quantities of vitamin E supplements that are basically just still just alpha tocopherol. I mean, shouldn't that have been something that should have been a sweeping change across the industry by now? Or do you think maybe I'm a little bit too forward thinking? Well, no, I think, I think it's, a, it's a combination of a couple of things. One, uh, there are uh, indications for high-dose vitamin E. If we look in, at the research in diabetes, for example, <laughs> looked at uh, blood sugar control and uh, oxidative uh, stress, they found that it was only the higher doses of vitamin E, and they used alpha-tocopherol, uh, that were effective. So uh, I, think, I think there's... Uh, indications uh, for higher dose uh, vitamin E. 
I think that with our understanding, though, we realized that, gee, you know, for most conditions, maybe 100 IUs or 200 will pr produce as good or, or better results. And, and as you mentioned, uh, some of the other tocopherols, particularly gamma tocopherol, has been in the news a lot and appears to be especially important in uh, not only cardiovascular disease, but in preventing certain cancers like prostate cancer. So, you know, it, it, nutrition is a great field. It's fun. It, it, and one of the things that makes it so fun is that it's dynamic and it's changing. And I think sometimes all the change... Uh, it, 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 uh, well, I should say the research precedes the change by, by, uh, by years, uh, and sometimes uh, just the opposite. Sometimes the, uh, the, the consumers uh, get ahead of the research a little bit. So I think we just have to, to use a little bit of common sense when it comes to supplementation and just realize that that word supplement is, is uh, too... Uh, uh, adjunct a healthy lifestyle, diet, and attitude. And there's no supplement in the world that can make up for any uh, dietary sins or uh, uh, poor attitude or uh, an, an unhealthy lifestyle. It's just, it's, it's silly to think that, that uh, uh, these supplements are, are the, you know, total answer. They're, they're an important part of the puzzle, uh, but so are those other things that I just mentioned. Sure, sure. Speaking of uh, dietary sins, uh, one of the areas that I'm, I want to switch gears and get into is the idea of glycation, because uh, you know I do every once in a while indulge myself, uh, you know maybe in some carbs that I shouldn't, or some ice cream or something like that. And I'm wondering what your opinion is on glycation as a factor in, uh, in aging, and um, you know, and the I guess you know the ability, the, the inability of the body to heal and recuperate. Uh, and then maybe specifically on anti-glycation agents that you think are warranted. Do you have anything to share on, on this subject? Well, yeah. First of all, for, for the listeners out there that may be new, uh, what we're referring to is the attachment of glucose molecules to uh, proteins throughout the body. And when blood sugar levels are uh, high, uh, there's an increase in, in this process. Uh, excessive glycation or glycosylation reactions is associated with all the complications of diabetes, and it's also associated with accelerating the aging process. So uh, eating to stabilize blood sugar levels, avoiding foods that will rapidly raise our blood sugar levels, and then utilizing nutritional strategies to prevent glycosylation are very important in uh, not only diabetics, but also all of us, because uh, doing so can help slow down the aging process, reduce the risk for chronic degenerative disease, and, uh, you know, dramatically, dramatically make us feel better. When we have increased glycation uh, throughout the body, it basically throws our, our physiology into a state of, uh, of chaos. Uh, for example, uh, everything in the body is related to feedback mechanisms and uh, in terms of how, how the body gets regulated from a physiological viewpoint. Uh, when uh, uh, the uh, liver makes cholesterol, uh, LDL cholesterol, the uh, liver gets a feedback mechanism based upon uh, the LDL cholesterol binding to a receptor site on that liver cell and sending a message that, hey, there's plenty of uh, LDL cholesterol out here. But when there's excessive glycation, then that receptor protein will 
be all gummed up and the LDL cholesterol won't be able to bind to that receptor. So the liver thinks, oh my gosh, I'm not doing a good job. I'm not making enough cholesterol. So it starts making more cholesterol. That's just one physiological compound. When you have excessive glycation, uh, that lack of feedback is happening on a on a huge, huge uh, basis. And it's little wonder that we see such complications in diabetes, but it happens even to a, uh, to a lesser degree in healthy people if they are uh, consuming foods that rapidly raise their blood sugar levels or they're over-consuming uh, uh, carbohydrates in general. So, you know, the first step is to avoid those foods that are going to quickly raise their their um, blood glucose levels. Uh, we, we've been doing a lot of work. When I say we, I'm, I'm talking about uh, natural factors and specifically uh, a colleague of mine, Dr. Michael Lyon at the Canadian Center for Functional Medicine. And uh, over the last nine years, we've done a lot of work looking at the influence of diet and supplements and strategies to stabilize blood sugar levels utilizing new technology that allows us to measure blood sugar levels on a continuous basis, on a 24-hour basis. So we're basically making a movie of someone's blood sugar control. And what we found is that most people that are overweight are on what we call the blood sugar roller coaster. They have extreme, extreme uh, fluctuations in their blood sugar levels. Uh, they have a meal, their blood sugar levels go up. A few, a few hours later, it comes crashing down. They have something else, and it, you know, if you, when you look at their their uh, levels over a 24-hour period, it looks it just looks like a roller coaster, up and down, up and down, up and down. And and you know how how damaging rapid drops in blood sugar levels are to our physiology because our body thinks, our brain thinks it's starving, so it starts secreting cortisol, adrenaline, stress hormones, and uh, those compounds, those they lead to excessive glycation. They lead to uh, muscle atrophy. They lead to depressed immune system, depression, sleep sleep disturbances, uh, poor blood sugar control, increased number of fat cells growing in the abdomen. Uh, you know, it's just a, it's a it's a domino effect. And so we found that use, using a, a special highly viscous fiber called PGX is really one of the key steps in helping people get off that blood sugar roller coaster. And what PGX is, it's a revolutionary dietary fiber matrix. It's able to bind more water than any other known fiber source. So when you ingest it, it forms this large gelatinous mass. Uh, that mass is largely composed of water, so it's not uncomfortable, but it slows gastric emptying, allowing the body time to process that uh, sugar or uh, other form of carbohydrate. And then uh, it exerts other benefits that ultimately help produce a feeling of satiety so people consume fewer calories. It's really a great, uh, great focus in helping people achieve and maintain their ideal body weight. But it's very important for anyone that's concerned about glycation because uh, if, you, if, you, if you stabilize that blood sugar level within a very narrow range and prevent those peaks and valleys, uh, you can prevent that glycation from occurring. Well, Dr. Mayer, what kind of a blood sugar level, like fasting blood sugar state, do you think is adequate? I know Life Extension keeps revising their numbers down over the past few years, and I'm kind of wondering what kind of blood sugar number you think is, is a healthy for a fasting blood sugar level. 
Well, I, I think uh, I, I think somewhere between eighty and a hundred. But more important than uh, the fasting blood sugar is, uh, you know, what's the the highest point the blood sugar goes after a meal? What's the highest point? A person uh, has their blood sugar level go during the day, and what kind of stability is there on a blood person's blood sugar uh, level uh, throughout the day and especially throughout the night? We found that most people that have sleep maintenance insomnia, the people that wake up three or four or five hours after going to bed and can't get back to sleep, we found that what what's triggering that is uh, these uh, fluctuations in blood sugar levels uh, through the night, and so their blood sugar levels start dropping very rapidly at night. And that results in cortisol and adrenaline being secreted, and that wakes them up and makes it very difficult for them to get back to sleep. So the solution is to stabilize blood sugar levels throughout the day. Throughout the day is the key. So taking a blood sugar measurement at any specific point in time, whether it's fasting or after a meal, yeah, it can give us a, some rough idea what's going on, but I think in the future, Brian, we're going to be measuring uh, continuous levels of cortisol, continuous levels of testosterone and thyroid hormone and uh, glucose and any of a number of compounds that have fluctuations throughout the day and that we may not be getting the full picture when we just make a, a blood draw at a single point in time. Once again, I'm your host, Brian Cunningham. Stay tuned. We're right back. Quantum Physics. Building strength and power for your mind, body, and spirit. Myotropics Physique Nutrition is the most exciting supplement company to come along in decades. That's because Myotropics isn't just another company. It's the brainchild of iconic metabolic expert, Dr. Scott Connolly, the inventor of the original body recomposition product that changed the industry and allowed millions of people to get in the best shape of their life. And CEO Vince Andrich, author of the groundbreaking Physique Athlete Guide. Myotropics flagship product, Physique 2.0, contains their exclusive Meta Effects Amino CD protein compound that maximizes whole body protein economy, your personal linchpin for gaining and retaining the most muscle while also shedding maximum body fat. Plus, Physique 2.0 contains the world's first legitimate fat-burning carbohydrate, Meta Effects FAO-CHO, for full hard muscle and increased fat burn. If you live to develop the ultimate physique, go with Myotropics, real people that live to develop physique nutrition. Go to Myotropics.com. It's your body. It's your art. Master it. Myotropics.com. Visit ExtremeFitNutrition.com, the newest and hottest supplement super site. We carry all the major brands, including Species, MHP, BPI, BSN, Optimal Nutrition, Gaspari, and many more. Low on cash? No problem. ExtremeFitNutrition.com offers competitive prices that our competitors can't beat. Now you can supplement your diet without having to supplement your bank account. Here's some of our specials. Buy $100 worth of Species products or Metabolic Nutrition and get a free t-shirt and bag. Buy two. $200 worth of BSN products and receive a BSN t-shirt and shaker bottle. Remember, there's only one extreme. Visit ExtremeFitNutrition.com now. If you train hard, you need to recover hard. Training elevates cortisol, but so does stress and tension. Stress is the number one health risk you face today and not only causes you to put on abdominal fat, but it's also one of the contributing factors in the top six causes of death which includes heart disease and cancer. But now you can relieve that stress, rebuild, recover, and feel great with fast-acting Gabitrol. Gabitrol works quickly to help you improve relaxation and recovery, 
reduce cortisol, elevating stress, and reduce binge eating. Plus, Gabatrol will also help you to get that deep, restful sleep. Warriors are built, not born. And now you can build a better body with fast-acting Gabatrol. Recommended by New York Times number one best-selling author, Dr. John Gray. Gabatrol is available now at rxstress.com. P28 High Protein Bread is the official bread of RX Muscle. Are you looking to incorporate more protein into your meals or just want to enjoy bread again? Then look no further. Try the 100% natural P28 High Protein Bread. P28 High Protein Bread is a formulated revolutionary breakthrough product. Packed with whey protein isolate, 14 grams of protein per slice, 12 grams of carbs, 8 essential amino acids, and made with 100% whole wheat. Fear bread no more. Build a better body with P28. Order today at HighProteinBread.com. P28 is also now available at Bodybuilding.com and many other retailers. Order now. HighProteinBread.com. P28 Bread. RX Muscle approved. Fusion Bodybuilding makes bodybuilding's strongest supplements, and they're committed to giving back to you. Fusion Bodybuilding not only want to promote the bodybuilding lifestyle, but they also want to help build the sport. Bodybuilding is all they do. It's their obsession. You know the feeling. That's why you're here. Visit Fusion Bodybuilding at FusionBodybuilding.com or join in on the conversation on the Fusion Bodybuilding fan page on Facebook, where you'll find IFBB Pro Q&As, contest giveaways, and nothing but in-depth bodybuilding talk. Fusion Bodybuilding, bodybuilding's strongest supplements. Head over to FusionBodybuilding.com today. RxMuscle.com. Now you have a place to turn when you want the truth on bodybuilding, diet, and exercise, up-to-the-minute news, and more. Visit the RxMuscle.com forums featuring celebrity Q&As with IFBB professional athletes, top amateurs, and the brightest minds in the industry. Listen to our weekly radio shows including Heavy Muscle Radio, Muscle Girls Inc., After Hours, and more. Contest coverage, videos, even our own social networking site, RxMuscleplace. Visit RxMuscle.com. And welcome back to Quantum Physiques, where we strive to build strength and power for mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham, of course. Speaking of cortisol, I know you have a new book out. I believe it's called Stress, Anxiety, and Insomnia, what the drug companies uh, won't tell you. Something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, and what your doctors don't know, yes. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, cortisol is a critical thing here too. I mean, you know, obviously it's been, um, I guess labeled the bad guy really by a lot of different, even though it has a very health promoting role as well, uh, it helps Absolutely. the body to kind of cool down and, and do a lot of good things. But I guess, do you think, you know, the overall state of, um, of our population, people do have, um, you know, chronically elevated cortisol levels. Is that, is that, is there evidence supporting that? Yeah, I think there's evidence to support that, and it's the only hormone that, that actually increases as we age, and excessive cortisol uh, secretion is being linked to a lot of degenerative conditions, uh, not just uh, those that relate to muscle and bone and, uh, and our immune system, but also our brain. Our brain is very sensitive to excess cortisol, and uh, excess cortisol is being linked to a lot of, lot of age-related uh, brain disorders, including Alzheimer's. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of research uh, showing excess cortisol, but I, I think it's 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 uh, it's a uh, it's a more complicated uh, situation than that. I, I think it's, it's really uh, altered cortisol uh, secretion, and that and that's related 
not just to the, the stress that we're all under, but also the diet that, that most Americans are consuming. Uh, when, when the diet is focused so much on these high glycemic foods, you know, sugar, uh, you know, when you look at the soft drink consumption in America, the candy and pastry consumption, the refined carbohydrates in general, white flour, uh, you know, high glycemic foods, I think that's really the key for uh, the excessive cortisol that we see in, in our society. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. I mean, one thing I will say to the um, benefit of my audience is that most people listening in on this show are athletes, uh, you know, powerlifters, um, bodybuilders, fitness competitors. So they take their fitness very important or very critical, which actually is very beneficial. I think you would agree that, you know, having a high sugar meal for an athlete with, with, with a higher mitochondrial density, um, that sugar can be metabolized much, much more efficiently than giving it to somebody who's, say, 85 and in a wheelchair where that sugar could actually be toxic. Is that correct? Uh, absolutely. And we, we can see that when, uh, again, when we've measured the uh, glycemic response in, uh, you know, athletes or, and as well, when we're younger, we can tolerate sugar much better than, than we can when, when we're older. So, uh, yeah, there's a, a stark difference in, in our physiology when we're highly trained compared to uh, the sedentary American. I will tell you, tell you an interesting story that I had with, with PGX. When we started utilizing PGX, uh, we first started looking at it as a way to help people improve blood sugar control and, and, and get their, uh, their uh, type 2 diabetes under control. And we got great results, but so many of our... Uh, Patients started telling us that for the first time in their lives, they, they felt satisfied all the time. They didn't feel hungry. And uh, they started losing weight nearly effortlessly. So we developed a weight loss program. And before we uh, did this pilot study, I went on PGX myself just to see what people might experience. And I took it before every meal. And uh, I followed our, our dietary guidelines and I also took it again about an hour or so after having dinner because I found it would uh, was really good at kind of preventing any nighttime snacking. Well, over the course of the month, I lost 18 pounds, and my body fat percentage went from 21% down to 17%. And uh, I've continued to use PGX, and uh, my body uh, weight is... Uh, uh, you know, I ended up losing about only, only about 10 pounds lighter than, than my high. So my, most of my adult weight, my life, my weight was about, oh, 205. Uh, when I went on the PGX for a month, I got down to, to 188. Uh, now my weight's about 192. But my body fat percentage today, and, and I'm uh, going to be 54 next week, is about 10%. So in essence, what I've done is, is I've lost about... 20 pounds of fat and gained about 10 pounds of muscle. And I, I can attribute that uh, entirely upon the PGX. I didn't change my, my diet other than that. I didn't change my exercise pattern. I found that I could exercise stronger and that my body responded to exercise more efficiently. Uh, I now train uh, about an hour and a, hour and a half uh, uh, three days a week, I wear a heart rate monitor to uh, monitor the intensity. I like to burn about a thousand calories uh, in that workout, so that's a, that's working at, at a pretty 
uh, pretty hard pace. I, I do cardio for 30 to 40 minutes, and then I lift weights for about an hour. Uh, but I, I, I keep that intensity up to keep my heart rate up. And uh, I, I know I, I, I couldn't work out that hard uh, uh, prior to, uh, to using PGX, which is really interesting. So the answer to the question is what's going on? How can PGX improve your workout to that degree? How can you, you start building muscle uh, and burning fat with PGX. Well, uh, it has this ability to stabilize blood sugar levels. That's important, but it also has an incredible ability to increase the sensitivity of cells throughout the body to the hormone insulin. And your athletes know how important that insulin is to helping that muscle cell respond to exercise. The way insulin works is it binds to receptor sites on cells throughout the body, especially muscle cells. Muscle cells have a lot of insulin receptors. So uh, when the insulin binds to that muscle cell, it opens up channels that allows glucose as well as other nutrients to enter into that cell. So you help feed that muscle cell more efficiently. So if... if uh, Athletes are out there and they're, uh, they're, they're doing glucose loading or, or utilizing uh, a high-carbohydrate uh, meal to kind of you know, pump up those muscle cells. It's critical that they have extremely high insulin sensitivity. And uh, fortunately, uh, that usually comes uh, with being in good shape and having a low body uh, fat and... Uh, habitually engaging in regular exercise, but I, I would encourage people to give give that PGX a try. I know what it's done for, for my workouts and my body composition. So if for someone in their 50s to lose you know, 20 pounds of fat and gain 10 pounds of muscle, that, that's pretty significant. Sure. No, that's definitely remarkable. You know, speaking of the uh, glycation topic earlier, um, are you a fan of other anti-glycating agents like carnosine and benfotamine? Yeah, yeah, and you know, alpha lipoic acid, and you maybe talked about vitamin E, vitamin C, you know, flavonoids. Uh, oh, these I all have anti-glycation. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All very, very uh, important. But uh, you know, when we look at the at the big picture, the biggest influence on glycation is is uh, after meal elevations in in blood sugar levels. So uh, that that's the thing we have to protect against. Okay, good point. Uh, and that's also the reason why, you, obviously, you want to have um, you know, more fat and protein versus carbs, too, in your diet. Uh, obviously, I'm sure you'd agree with that, too. Yeah, you, you know, uh, especially for someone that's uh, uh, really in, intensely exercising, uh, I get asked the question, what do you think the percentage should be between protein, fat, carbohydrate in your, in your diet? And, and it really depends on, on what type of lifestyle a person has. And if they are exercising for, um, and you know, the athletes out there that are monitoring their, their, their body composition, they know that if they don't get two grams of, of, uh, of protein uh, per pound, uh, that, that they're likely to, to see some, some pretty, pretty significant drops in their, their uh, muscle mass because uh, their, their bodies uh, require more because their 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 muscles are <laughs> they're active. Sure. They really, you know, <laughs> whereas someone someone that's just sitting around and not doing anything, then you know, uh, half a gram uh, of protein per 
per pound is probably all that they really need. Yeah, yeah, good point. You know, um, Dr. Murray, I want to switch gears because one thing a lot of uh, people have been complaining about recently uh, is allergies. It seems like here on the East Coast, especially, we're in the middle of allergy season. And, uh, you know, one thing I tell people, and I'm not sure if I'm correct, so maybe you could help me with this, is that they really need to look at their diet because uh, long-term food allergies can cause immune suppression or immune dysfunction and make them more susceptible to allergens in the environment. Um, And is that correct or am I incorrect with that one? Oh, I, I think you're right. Um, okay. I think, I think uh, the allergic person typically has an, what we call an allergic threshold, which basically means straws on their back. And <laughs> we can strengthen that back and, and help them deal with their allergies. But uh, it's also a good idea to, is, to eliminate as many uh, allergens from their environment as well as their diet. So uh, I think uh, that kind of explains why uh, so many times people with uh, inhalant allergens, uh, allergies, they can uh, respond to uh, dietary interventions that involve eliminating uh, food allergies. So, uh, yeah, I think it's very important to reduce that uh, allergic threshold. And uh, our immune system is very, very complex and uh, we have all these interrelationships between different types of white blood cells, and we can definitely influence uh, how uh, allergens react in our system uh, through diet uh, and through lifestyle and through through uh, certain supplements. Yeah, and um, do you think also that um, part of that is also improving gut health? Like, for example, um, you know, do you advocate taking regular or sequential doses throughout the year of like uh, probiotics or, or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. I was when you were asking me the question, I was uh, thinking uh, with uh, some of these studies with with probiotics, they've looked at the ratio of uh, um, T cells. Uh, these are type of white blood cells, and uh, we, we can look at the ratio between the different uh, the the T cells that are associated with basically uh, blocking allergens compared to those that are associated with with allergies and autoimmune conditions. And you know, probiotics have been shown to to influence uh, the the uh, number and the ratio of these different types of immune regulating white blood cells. So the, the bottom line is that what they're showing in these, uh, these studies is that, oh, well, you take a probiotic, you not only improve your body's ability to fight infections, but you can see uh, dramatic reductions in, uh, in allergy symptoms. Uh, so wow. yeah, no, no, no question about it. It's a, and, and uh, it's really interesting when you look at uh, the number of, of, Kids with asthma now is higher than ever. Uh, the number of uh, people with allergies uh, is higher than, than ever. And one of the explanations is the tremendous uh, assault that's taken place with antibiotics and as well as diet uh, on the microbiology of our intestinal tract. And when they've looked at, uh, they did a study once where they looked at the number of antibiotic uh, prescriptions and the likelihood of, of developing uh, 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 asthma. And they found that uh, for 
every uh, uh, dose of antibiotics, it, 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 it dramatically increased the likelihood of, of, a, of, a, of a kid developing asthma. And you know, what we know is, is that it, when ki with kids, most often when they're getting uh, antibiotics, it's for ear infections and uh, bronchitis, and, and these antibiotics haven't been shown to be that effective in, in, in these cases, and uh, despite their uh, overprescription. And we know that these conditions are most often due to uh, underlying uh, food allergies. So there's the other connection to, to food allergies and, and uh, um, you know, likelihood of developing uh, respiratory allergies. It's very interesting, and you raise a really interesting uh, segue or, or your tangent here. Um, you know, of course, everybody in this industry knows the controversy about um, antibiotic use in farm in farming, and specifically factory farming, of course. And you know, most people, especially athletes and bodybuilders that consume copious quantities of protein, can't afford to go out oftentimes and buy healthy uh, grass-fed or free-range chicken and beef. Do you think there is um, evidence that the uh, antibiotics used in farmed animals or in dairy products and in chicken can actually pass its way through intact into someone else's body, into a person's body, and um, in a sense affect their, their flora and, and, and maybe their, their immune function? Is there any evidence supporting that? Yeah, yeah, there's, there's been a few studies. Uh, I think our our food supply is is better now than it was uh, in the 70s, 80s. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, the hormones that were that were being uh, really uh, overdone in, in the 70s and 80s, you know, and as well as the pesticides and pesticide residues, I think they were they were much higher uh, previously. There's still areas of concern. Uh, uh, We've looked at, at uh, various whey proteins, Brian, and I'm sure that uh, a lot of the, the listeners use whey protein, it, it being uh, the one with the highest biological uh, um, value. Uh, and and uh, the fortunate thing is that m most of the whey protein out there from reputable companies is is, is pretty good uh, quality, and it doesn't seem to have... Uh, anything to worry about in terms of uh, uh, antibiotic uh, content or hormone content. So, um, you know, as far as, you know, look, looking at the most common supplemental form of, of protein, I, I think it looks pretty good right now. Okay. But, um, you know, as far as like, say, chicken, for example, do you, do you think that um, antibiotic use in chicken can affect, um, you know, people's immune systems and lead to, you know, asthma, allergies, that kind of thing? Or is it really a negligible, um, you know, environmental exposure? Boy, you know, I, I haven't looked at that in a long time. Uh, yeah. So I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit um, uneducated, but I do know that, uh, uh, there's a huge problem in chicken farming with uh, bacterial contamination, and they have That's to right. use antibiotics at huge, huge levels. And I, it's been a while. I'm going to look into it after after we're done today. But uh, I think if they're using uh, these antibiotics, that they're they're likely in in the uh, in the meat, and you, you probably are better off using uh, uh, beef and, and chicken from 
um, organically uh, raised uh, farms, uh, I mean, you know, farms that use organic uh, raising techniques, because um, we have to be more concerned about our, our meats than we are even of our, our fruits and vegetables, because uh, meats uh, tend to concentrate uh, these these compounds um, in higher concentrations than, than even what are sprayed. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely recommend eating organic foods as much as possible, particularly meats. No, it's a good point. That the higher the up the food chain you are, the more concerned you should be about eating it clean. I guess exactly. Yeah. Makes, makes a lot of sense, definitely. Uh, you know, so back to cortisol, um, obviously stress and anxiety are, are pandemic. We live in a very uh, intense society, I think, that really drives people. And, um, you know, as your book illustrates, there is a lot of substance abuse, um, you know, a lot of stress and anxiety. And, um, you know, you have, have some really good suggestions in there. And I guess you feel the drug companies obviously aren't really doing their job to help people reduce stress other than writing prescriptions for uh, benzos and SSRIs and stuff, which I think can have some serious uh, side effects, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's amazing that uh, we have 10% of the adult population on benzodiazepines and, and wow. uh, um related uh, drugs for insomnia and anxiety. And we also have another, uh, I think now 125 to 15% of Americans on SSRIs like Prozac, Zoloft. Uh, these drugs, uh, boy, you know, I just, I, I just don't think that that's the right way for most people to be dealing with with insomnia, depression, and, and anxiety. And that's, that's why I, I wrote uh, that book, I, I want people to look at the the natural approach first, and the natural approach focuses on on diet, lifestyle, and proper supplementation, as well as ways in which we can program our attitude to help build our self esteem, build our confidence, uh, create a, a, a positive effect in our life. All of those are important steps in improving our mood and, and dealing with these psychological issues. But our brain is, a, it is if we want to say it's a factory, it's a very active factory and it requires, it requires uh, a lot of important nutritional compounds in order for it to function properly. And the, the bottom line is that most Americans are overfed but, but uh, undernourished, and this dramatically affects the way that they think, the way that they feel, and the way that they act. And by improving their nutrition, they can really change their lives, and that, that's the message of my book. Yeah, no, it definitely um, hit home to me. I was very impressed with it, actually. And, uh, you know, one of the things I want to touch upon is um, is GABA, because I do think GABA is, uh, is the chief inhibitory neurotransmitter in the brain. And it's a pretty interesting one for modulating mood. Obviously, um, there are some, you know, very popular uh, GABAergic agents out there like, um, you know, valerian, I guess, for example, Um regular GABA itself, and then also I guess you're a big fan of, of pharma GABA too, right? You, you, you seem to feel it's very different than just regular GABA. Well, yeah, I, pharma GABA is a naturally produced form of GABA derived from uh, a fermentation process using uh, the same bacteria that's used in the production of kimchi, the Korean vegetable dish. And uh, this pharmagaba has very good uh, scientific validation showing that it is effective 
It appears to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. Uh, it does this within five minutes, and we know that based upon very detailed studies that have looked at its ability to change uh, brainwave patterns to promote an increase in alpha brainwaves so that people feel more relaxed with greater mental focus and clarity. It's also been shown to uh, uh, constrict the pupils. When we're under stress, our uh, sympathetic nervous system dominates, and that causes our, our pupils to actually dilate so we can see further, avoid danger. Uh, with activation of the parasympathetic nervous system, the one that activates our, our relaxation response, it causes a constriction of the, the pupils. And uh, they've shown that with the... Uh, the natural form of GABA that within five minutes there's activation of this parasympathetic nervous system. When they've looked at uh, the synthetic form of GABA, they, they didn't show that, that same effect. And I think the explanation is, is that uh, there may be some uh, structural difference between the two. They may have the same chemical composition, but the configuration, the arrangement, the size, the shape, uh, something is not quite right. The way that the natural GABA works is it binds to receptor sites, much like a key does in binding to a lock. And evidently, the shape of that synthetic GABA may not uh, allow it to, to bind to that receptor in the same degree. Uh, I think that uh, this pharmagaba is uh, going to be uh, as popular here uh, as it is in Japan. And in Japan, it's, it's one of the most popular uh, natural product ingredients in functional foods that was ever uh, developed. Uh, in Japan, they have a, a separate category for functional foods where if a company has uh, shown that an ingredient is safe and it's clinically effective for uh, a relatively benign application, then it can be granted this FOSU status, this functional food status, and companies can uh, go out there and make claims. So in Japan, uh, there are a lot of food products that have this pharmagaba in it, and the uh, manufacturers are able to make claims that it improves mental focus, it helps people feel more relaxed, puts them in the zone, in the flow, uh, they feel better, uh, they're able to get more work done, they're able to relax, uh, you know, all, all great things, and, and that's all based upon uh, the clinical research with this pharmagaba. I just got a SPINS report. SPINS is, tells us uh, the sales volumes of uh, different products in different categories in the, in the, um, out there in the retail world. And the number one amino supplement, the number one amino acid out there in, in, the, uh, in the marketplace right now is, is pharmagaba. That, that really surprised me. It finally hit that, uh, that top spot. So it was more... Uh, more pharmagopas sold than any other amino acid now uh, in, in these stores that, that provide that spins data like whole foods. Wow, that's good to know, yeah. Mike, we're out of time. I just want to thank you once again for coming on. It's been great, very informative. Yeah. And uh, we'll have to make sure to uh, get you back on probably on a regular basis to uh, you know keep us update, up to date on what's going on in, the, uh, in your research. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, anytime. I I'm on board. Okay, sounds good. All right. So once again, I want to thank you for tuning in. This has been Quantum Physiques here on RxMuscle.com. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham. Stay tuned. Come back next week. We have another great show. Quantum Physiques with Brian Cunningham is dedicated to harnessing the power of the holy grail of health, fitness, lifestyle, and success. And you'll 